This is Communicate to Innovate, a podcast that documents and unveils what is and what could be at Waseca Public Schools. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Communicate to Innovate, a podcast for Waseca Public Schools. I'm your host, Clint Link. And I'm the Tech Integration and Innovation Specialist throughout our district. Uh, Last couple of weeks here, I've been experiencing quite a bit of professional development on site visits and conferences attended. And it got me thinking a lot about the word reflection. So I want to take a little solo journey here on this episode to talk about the word itself and its role that it has not only in us professionally and this teaching and learning business, but also in it personally and tell you a little bit of my story and maybe it's something you can relate to and maybe it's not but overall i, I think that the reflection is so important in what we do uh, just as human beings but as teachers and learners uh, i think it's something that's worth talking about so the definition uh, of the word uh, the oxford is a pretty simple one uh, it means to get serious thought or consideration but I thought a little deeper about it and I came up with my own definition and you guys can tell me if I'm way off base with it or not, but um, I, I believe that experience is the greatest teacher and what reflection is then is taking and being purposeful in your thoughts about those experiences in order to grow from them. So it's taking thoughts, purpose thoughts, and attach them to your experiences in order to grow and learn. And it's the reflection piece is not only about the event itself, but your thoughts leading into the event, your thoughts of, or feelings that you had coming out of the event. We um, could be what others' thoughts and feelings are. But just being purposeful uh, and taking time to think uh, about that particular experience is what will make it grow. So with that being said, um, I want to kind of tell you the story of how I evolved to the thinking this way. And and maybe you have a similar experience or or something different. I'd be interested in hearing about if, if you have um, either way. Uh, but my, my uh, reflection experience came from journaling uh, on fishing trips. And it wasn't me personally doing the journaling. Um, it was my uncle uh, that did it. We had a, a fishing trip when I was a kid. I would go up with my dad and my brothers uh, into the rainy, uh, rainy lake in northern Minnesota. But we actually go on the Canada side of it. We stayed on an island. And on that island in a, in a container, we, we have a journal. And that journal's main role was to keep attendance of who showed up every year but also to register who had the biggest fish for the week and what kind of major weather events perhaps that that happened i i thoroughly love reading through that journal uh, in the archive that it was for me of going down memory lane uh but that 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 piece was just the very beginning of me thinking back on previous experiences Um, my my biggest growth probably happened uh professionally and uh, for those of you who are too young to, to know, and, and I know we still give these out at schools, but the blue book, the lesson plan blue book, there's a couple of them. One was used more for the 
day-to-day tasks is smaller in size and you keep attendance uh, perhaps with that one. Uh, but I'm speaking to the larger blue book where on the left-hand side you had the days of the week and across the top you would have the content areas in which you taught. And that to me was a place where not only I'd put down my lesson plans that I had for each day of the week for each subject that I taught, but after that week was done or in particular that day was done, I would write my little notes to myself in that blue book of how that lesson went and uh, what sort of resources I need to add or subtract or change for the following year. Um, I'd also talk about engagement students had, if they really liked that piece or this was a struggle. And it also was able to put like things like pacing inside of it. Um, all, all of those, those things, after every year, I would make these subtle changes every year of every lesson. And that, I think that process really allowed me to grow and learn and to be a better teacher. And now personally, uh, I began to start journaling um, not necessarily on my personal life's uh, thoughts. That's kind of what this podcast is is meant to do. But I use uh, I use a journal, a weather journal that sits by uh, the couch I sit on in my living room that overlooks Clear Lake here in Waseca and. The last couple of years, I've um, started documenting weather scenarios uh, that, that have happened and intermixing in, inside of those weather scenarios, maybe be significant family events that, that would happen. And it's, again, pleasurable for me to go back and, and look uh, back at what happened the year before at that particular time or even six months ago, uh, what happened. So you take all of these into play here from the fishing journal to my professional blue book to this podcast to um, my weather journal at home. Um, I'm starting to see the positives and the different reflections of my life and, and, and how they help me grow in each area of my life. And uh, I think that's so important that we, we keep that uh, as an idea for us both professionally, but as um, for our learners too in our classes and, and for us personally uh, to keep growing from the experiences uh, that we have in our life. Um, that's all I have. I just, I just been thinking about all the professional uh, development and, and how I'm trying to put thoughts in it. And, and so I can grow from that and also um, talk with others about their professional growing too. And, and, and hopefully that helps them. So hopefully that's what this podcast did for you. And um, until next time, um, hopefully the reflections are good and hope everyone has a great break here uh, in this holiday season. Thank you. I'm with uh, Tom Lee, superintendent of public schools here. And uh, we're, the, the theme of the show is, has been uh, positive, unattended positivity. Uh, and so um, I'm just, we were just talking off of microphone here a little bit, and you were discussing some of uh, the things that you didn't see coming uh, either. That's been a nice positive spin for our district in this uh, distance learning. So you want to explain more what you were talking about? Sure, Clint, and thanks for the opportunity. So um, there are several things that I see as positive. So while wandering one of our buildings, I came across uh, a teacher who was really afraid of technology and was therefore very slow to 
utilize some of the tools that we've been providing for the last several years. This individual now recognized that they had to use technology in order to deliver a distance learning um, product. And so this individual worked really hard. Uh, the, the principal had developed a really nice outline and a framework from which uh, this individual could could start and then through collaborating with other colleagues, um, was just, he, this person wrote me into their room and just said, let me show you what I'm doing. Look, look, look at all these things. And I never dreamed I could be this. I was really afraid of it and now I'm no longer afraid. Yeah, and almost proud. Almost proud. And yeah. so, you know, we've been providing these tools and they have been, even though we've emphasized that it's really important that we learn to use these tools and, and hear all the benefits for them, not everyone has jumped on board. Well, now people are jumping on board. And even the most late in coming to the party are now at the party and they're enjoying it. That's one thing. Um, and, and I think our staff are doing a great, they're, they're learning new tools like Screencastify and other kinds of things. Mm -hmm. They're looking at the idea of uh, what's an assignment? When does it need to be due? Uh, if I post it, does it need to be due at the end of the day today or can I have until the end of the day on Sunday, for example? Mm -hmm. So they're looking flexibly at ways that they've been doing their business for so many years. But how so, about from a district level, Tom? What are, what are some things in this big picture thing lots here of are things. we doing? Uh, lots of things. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> so first of all, I've been uh, collaborating with other superintendents, yeah. right? Uh, both in the region, so JWP, NRHEG, WEM, uh, but also across the Big South Conference, which obviously, as you know, goes all the way to the, to the Iowa border and all the way west of the South Dakota border, mm -hmm. right? And we've been collaborating more than ever before, and I don't see that changing yeah. after this. Awesome. Because you're sharing ideas. You go, yeah. well, so what are you going to do about, about uh, graduation? Yeah. Well, and all of a sudden you hear different people's ideas and you go, oh, that sparks a new idea in you. And now, you, yeah. now the next week you bring back that new idea and people go, oh, that sparks something else. And so that collaboration has been exceptionally valuable. Uh, probably the most valuable piece uh, that I've experienced uh, in my entire career. So it's not only networking, it's, it's, um, it's like a PLC almost for you. Correct. And what's, yeah. what's happened before, when, when superintendents get together in the past, we get together and we network and we do different things, but we're not trying to collaboratively solve problems. Yeah. And that's what's happened here. You know, so what are you doing to make sure that your distance mm -hmm. learning is equitable? What are you doing? What are you doing to cover the issues of graduation? What are you doing about whatever? Yep. And so... Uh, we're all facing very similar problems, and we all recognize that individually we are we're pretty good, mm -hmm. but collectively we're very good. Yeah. And so, if that is true in this time of difficulty, yeah. doesn't it remain true when we go back to whatever our new normal is going to be? So, yeah. collaboration is uh, has been at its highest levels among district leadership. Um, again, as as a district leader, I'm we, we've been looking to move people. Uh, to use new tools. And that's what I was trying to refer yep. to earlier. Yep. Um, and so that's that piece. So there have been, a, you know, we're all learning new skills. I get a kick out of, you know, I had an employee come uh, in the other day and she laughed. And I said, well, what are you laughing about? She goes, well, I got home and the oldest had the two younger ones in timeout. <laughs> <laughs> and we laughed about, see, new skills. Yeah. I ran into another parent uh, out at the grocery store and they were buying with their kids and their kids had chosen, uh, the, the kids are being responsible to go on a three-day rotation because there are three kids in the family. Yeah. And they have to prepare the meals. They have to do the shopping. These are great life lessons for kids. And I think lots of families are taking advantage of that. Not everyone, but those that are, are yeah. it's going to be a very positive thing. Yeah. Uh, 
in the the equity piece you were, were referencing before, oh, yeah. uh, we're pretty pretty proud of what we just talked about earlier today um, in that we're able to finally grant access to 100% of our families. Right, so every day I have to go onto the Department of Education's website and I have to fill out things like how many meals have been fed, how many kids were served yep. and, and childcare, and how many kids have a device. And from the very beginning, I was very proud to be able to say every single one, right? Yeah. So the, the actual question is how many kids do not have a device and I'm able to report zero. Yeah. Up to this point, the next question is how many kids have access to the Wi-Fi mm -hmm. in order to use that device? Well, originally we had 75 kids who did not have access, mm -hmm. but we had ordered, you know, 35, um, actually we had like uh, 85 because we had ordered 35 new um, hotspots hot spots yeah. in anticipation of what was coming. Yeah. We didn't quite know how large our number was. Correct. So one, we were able to identify how large our number was. Yeah. Two, that original hotspot, um, uh, distribution took our list from 85 to 50 and our number remained at 50 for a while but then through a different process of you trying to utilize our Wi-Fi hotspots on our buses and other things we're calling parents and families found other ways to access the yeah. Wi-Fi uh, so we got our list down to 40 and uh, we got 35 in yesterday and as we went to distribute those 35 we found uh, four other families that had found other ways of accessing and no longer needed the, uh, the hotspot. So as of this morning, we had one family that needed a hotspot. And so what we did is we took um, one of our hotspots off of one of our buses and that family will get it, which means every single family yeah. in Wasika Public Schools now has access to both a device and a machine and, and, and to the Wi-Fi. And that was kind of that um, on um, mystery number. We've been trying to seek that number of access at home. We, it was. We did surveys before. We have rough <coughs> gut feelings of how many people have access. Right. I, I think we're we're at a pretty true number uh, now, and we can say roughly 80, 80 some families in our community didn't correct have access to to internet. And we I don't know how many families we have in our district, but we we're a district of nineteen hundred students uh, across four different buildings. So I don't know what percentage that would equal out to, but. Well, all along we knew that we wanted to do uh, the online learning, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we made a really good decision in the beginning to do as much asynchronous as possible, especially yeah. with our older kids, because that allows the flexibility of the older kid who's watching the younger kids to be able to get to their assignments whenever they can. Yeah. Uh, so I think that um, that decision was a positive. Yeah, let's, let's go down that road a little bit, Tom, here, and we're going a little over time, but that's fine. Um, I think we did make a lot of good decisions. Um, plan-wise that, that are playing out right now. You just mentioned a asynchronous uh, philosophy right. uh, versus trying to keep a schedule uh, of some kind. And that that really lends the family life to a more flexible day um, and, and, and it helps with our equity piece um, a lot. Um, I We also went pass-fail at the high school right away. Um, and that's looking to be the, the right decision um, to go um, we went one-to-one -one devices all the way through uh, for our, all our students, no matter what grade level, and so that uh, played out. We ordered the hotspots like we just talked about. Um, so I think these are all positive things that we've done so far. Do you think of another one that well, we I wanna, made a good decision I, I just want to talk about the future implications of asynchronous learning, right? Yeah. So if we're using now an LMS to deposit our asynchronous lessons and think about what that means for personalized learning as we go down the road yeah. so if if my lessons are in there and they are aligned to standards and they have um, learning targets 
that are clearly associated with it. And again, that means that if I am instructing a group in two-digit multiplication, for example, yeah. next year, yeah. and I have the next set of lessons already deposited in my learning management system, if you have already mastered two-digit multiplication, you don't have to wait for me to get everybody else caught up to you. Yeah. You can go ahead yeah. using those asynchronous lessons that are, that are in the um, learning management system, and you can start working at your own pace. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, is that let's say, for example, uh, I, I deliver a regular lesson on two-digit um, uh, multiplication today, and I also have an asynchronous uh, lesson that goes along with that. So you didn't get it in my class, but you get a chance to revisit that lesson, that video, that whatever, I, uh, that link to uh, Khan Academy or whatever, that you can see that as many times as you want. Yeah. That helps you in your learning process, and again, uh, in the first scenario, you were advanced. In the second scenario, you struggled to learn the concept. Yeah. The asynchronous nature of those lessons being placed in the LMS allows for the freedom of both to continue to focus on learning yeah. uh, and, and learning the things that they need to learn when they need to learn it. That's a huge step forward for personalized learning. Yeah, I, I'm all about um, taking a scenario and, and spinning it as positive as Possible, and uh, we just went through ten minutes of positivity, of of things that um, have come because of this uh, pandemic, uh, and uh, I think uh, you're right in that uh, when when this our our new normal comes back, whenever that is, because it's not here yet, um, I, I think we fast forward ourselves a little more down the road of the personalized learning, um, the equity piece is in play. Uh, I think we um, gave ourselves a lot of. Um, grace during this period of time too to uh quickly i mean I'm, I'm we're talking 30 days here mm -hmm. to go from a pretty traditional environment to a very um non-traditional environment absolutely and can i say a couple other things sure, about sure. other other people so i don't think i will ever look at a food service employee the <laughs> same way again because yeah. throughout this entire time they're heroes they're interacting with the public yeah, they're day. putting their own health on the yeah. line um, as are our child care workers, yeah. right? And, you know, I look at our child, in the past, I would look at our child care workers and going, you know, that's a great job. Thank you for working for our three and four year olds and mm -hmm. our school age care kids. Um, and um, now I look at them differently because yeah. they are, and they know they are, putting their own health on the line because yeah. they are working with what I'll call an at risk population, right? They are yeah. children of emergency workers. Yeah. Many of them are in the healthcare. Um, a field and so those people are more at risk of catching COVID-19, bringing it home, having their kids get infected and bringing it to us. Yep. And so I think um, our food service has really stepped up. They've delivered high quality meals with a smile yeah. every single day yeah. since uh, what, March 17th? Yeah, and it didn't matter what the weather was. Didn't, right. <laughs> and um, and our child care workers did the same. Uh, yeah. You know, they were working diligently. And actually, the number of kids that we're serving, we started around averaging around, I don't know, 15-ish, you know, and now the last couple of days, we're, we're getting close to 40 every day. Yeah. Uh, so I just think that um, there are heroes everywhere uh, yeah. here. And honestly, our families. I think our families yeah. are have really stepped up to the plate as much as they possibly can. They have been asked to do an impossible job in many instances, and I'm seeing it through the eyes of even our own teachers who yeah. have small kids at home. Yeah. So they're supposed to be working, delivering online learning to others while their kids are receiving online learning from others. And they're trying to balance all of those things. Well, 
so is everyone else who's still working from home. Yeah. Um, this is an enormous task, and um, it, it's, it's really uh, shown me the importance of that uh, school and home connection and relationship and how valuable it is and will continue to need to be as we move into the future. Hey, thanks for sharing your thoughts, Tom. Yep, thanks.